At my end of the bar, I am enjoying a delicious beverage with uh, Kathy Ace, who will be reading from Corpse with the Opal Fingers. A, I think it's Kate Morgan number 13, uh, and this is available now. So go ahead, Kathy, looking forward to this. Yes, you're right. It's the 13th in the Kate Morgan mystery series. And um, like me, Kate Morgan is Welsh-Canadian, so that's where the accent's from. Unlike me, she's a professor of criminal psychology, and she's on vacation in Sydney in Australia with her husband, Bud, who fortunately, as it turns out, is a retired homicide detective. Um, I'm going to read from the beginning of the book, which is a traditional book. It's a Christie-shaped book with lots of red herrings and suspects and a final denouement where the killer or killers are unmasked. At the beginning of the book, Kate and Bud have gone off on a sunset dinner cruise around Sydney Harbour, and they're joined by Kate's sister and her husband. They're all off in Sydney for a mining convention. Ooh, joy of joys. That's why they're on a dinner cruise. There's a large group of men on the cruise with them whose role in life is to build roads for mining companies. They cut the roads through the outback and the bush, and they're endearingly known as the mob. And the mob have just settled down to do a bit of yarning, as mobs do. And that's where we're going to pick up in the first chapter of The Corpse with the Opal Fingers. I'm afraid you're going to have to invent the Australian accents, because like me, Kate is hopeless at them. And this is told in the first person from Kate's point of view. I was ten years old when I found a murder weapon, said a gravelly voice from somewhere within the crowd. My curiosity kicked in immediately, of course, and I craned my neck to try to spot who'd spoken. There was a cheer, a couple of shouts of, good on you, mate, and the canary-shirted men began to congregate with expectant faces. Bud smiled at me indulgently and said, well, that's an opening line, it's too good to ignore, right? I hugged my always understanding husband as we gravitated toward the huddle that was gathering around a few tables, which were already littered with empty bottles and glasses. A voice called from the edge of the crowd, How do you find this so-called murder weapon, Lenny, mate? Lenny Hawkins, a man I'd already encountered a few times during our days in Sydney, leaned in, his weathered face and raised eyes glowing with the promise of a tale that would be worth hearing. Lenny scratched his face thoughtfully, then began, It was summer and all the local waterholes had dried up, except one, the biggest and deepest. When the wood was high, no one could ever reach the bottom. That was the dare, see? Get to the bottom and pick up a stone to prove you got there. Like I said, no one ever managed it. But with the level so low, I reckoned I could do it. So I jumped from an outcrop that hung over the water, got all the way down and made a grab for anything, really. Came up with a big stick in my hand, or so I thought. Turned out to be a rifle. It proved I got to the bottom, see? And on top of that... I was a hero because I'd found a gun. Huge excitement for a bunch of young fellas, as you might imagine. I washed it off and took it home with me, handed it to my granddad, who gave me a pat on the head for my trouble. I didn't find out it was a murder weapon until 20 years later, when he died. Turned out, he'd kept it rolled in a blanket in a tin trunk at the foot of his bed all that time. I was clearing out his place after he'd gone, and there it was. I handed it in at the local cock shop and thought that would be the end of it. Then it turns out they'd been looking for it all that time. Who'd the gun killed, mate? asked someone. The girl with the opal fingers, said Lenny ominously. You're kidding, said someone just behind me. Bloody oath, said Lenny, sounding wounded that someone thought his claim unlikely. Bud and I stared at each other, round-eyed and clueless. I turned to see who'd spoken, but my view was blocked by a young man I'd already met a few times. Neil was the baby of the mob the son of Big Stan, who owned the company they all worked for. Neil Stage whispered, 
She was a kid who got shot out in the bush a long time back. Sad story. Had this weird ability. You could give her a map and she could point to exactly where you should dig to find opals. She made a lot of money for a lot of people, I heard. She was almost 20 when she died, son. Not a kid, really. Big Stan leaned his great bulk towards us, then addressed the group as a whole. A tragedy. They never got the bloke who did it until Lenny found the rifle. Then she finally got justice. Yeah, agreed Lenny. They reckoned the rifle must have been in that waterhole for at least a year before I pulled it up. They matched the bullets they, uh, you know, found, and they easily worked out who it belonged to, and that was that. Big Stan said, some bloke she refused to work for shot her down, right? Lenny nodded sagely. Yeah, it was his rifle, big old double-barrel thing it was, and me finding it again sewed it up for the cops. Thanks to my granddad, it took them far too long, but they got him in the end. It looked to me as though Big Stan was about to comment, but a voice cut in, Good yarn, Lenny, but I can go on better. The man who called out was standing right behind where Lenny was seated. He was about twice his breadth and squat, with a head that resembled me, reminded me of a bundle dog. Lenny chuckled, Go on, then you're up next, Shorty. Can't help yourself, can you, mate? Got to outdo everyone, right? Shorty cleared his throat. I didn't just find a murder weapon, even if it was used in one of the most infamous murders ever. Nah, I saw an actual murder happen right in front of me. The announcement brought a round of applause and lots of hooting. I felt my right eyebrow shoot up, which led Big Stan to observe, smiling. All in good humour, Kate. Don't go getting your knickers in a twist. Yarning's a harmless way for us to have our fun, right, men? He waved an arm. Get on with it, Shorty, mate. Shorty did. It was a summer in Alice Springs, just before Christmas, a few years back. It was too hot to want to do anything but suck on a beer. The hour this all happened, there was a storm on the way. You could feel it on your skin, but it wouldn't break, you know what I mean? The sort of weather only the flies enjoy. The boozer was full, someone knocked over a beer, and it all kicked off from there. Fists flew, then a knife came out, and it got serious, fast. I saw a bloke get stabbed, and I saw who did it. Wished I hadn't. Brutal. Nasty. The bloke on the floor didn't get up, and we're all backing off. But there was this kid who used to hang around the pub who had a few kangaroos loose in the top paddock, you know? The only one stupid enough to pick up the knife that had been dropped by the mongrel who'd stuck it in in the first place. So there's this bloke on the floor dying, and the kid's just standing there, the knife in his hand, and of course he got grabbed by everyone. I thought they'd tear him apart. Now... As you all know, I'm not one to dob a man in, but I couldn't say nothing, could I? So I shouted that I'd seen who'd really done the stabbing, and eventually they let the kid go. He wasn't too crook, but it could have gone real bad for him. Then the boys in blue turn up and cart off the scumbag who'd really done it. Nasty piece of work he was. Everyone knew it. Always just on a simmer, ready to boil over. The town was glad to see the back of him. Me too, to be honest. For some reason, he seemed to think we was mates though I'd crossed the street to avoid him. Of course, they dragged me down the cop shop, too, to swear to what I'd seen. Had to do it. Too many people had heard me speak up. Is that even really murder? shouted someone. Shorty replied, I think the family of the dead bloke reckoned it was. I can do even better than that. Heads turned toward the only other twenty-something in the group. His slight figure was hovering to one side of the main huddle. I knew his name was Ditch, and I'd felt sorry for him on more than one occasion. No one took much notice of him until they needed him to fetch beers, which was why I'd heard his name called out so often. Neil said, go on then, Ditch, mate. Tell us what. Ditch didn't raise his eyes as he spoke quietly. 
I know about someone getting away with murder because no one even knew it was one. A young server passed by with a fully laden tray, tripped, sending a shower of bottles and glasses crashing to the floor, which tore everyone's attention away from young Ditch. She looked horrified, but got the biggest cheer of the night. Neil moved to clear the debris and called Ditch over to help. They carefully collected the shards of glass, and the crowd began to break apart. That was great. And as I'm listening to this, I'm going, there are a lot of really good other characters uh, besides the main ones that have a lot of depth. And I'm just wondering uh, where they come from for you. Uh, how, how did you find, uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. So how did you find all these different characters and put them all together with your main characters? Well, in this particular instance, it's because I met them. I actually met the mob when I was in Australia. Um, and whilst I have not written about the actual individuals I met, certainly I took their heart, their love of life, their ability to grab it by the neck and wring every bit of joy and pleasure out of it. And I've tried to bring them into life on the page. Most of these characters do continue through the book. And, and you're right, they do have depth. They do have lives that they've lived. And I hope that comes through on the page because they are an integral part of the book. For me, when Kate travels, she doesn't just trip over corpses wherever she goes, but she meets people wherever she goes who are the life and spirit of the country that she happens to be in at the time. Well, that's why I asked the question because it came out to me just in that, in that short reading that these that you had to have had these people come from somewhere because you could see them, you could feel them, you could smell them, you could hear them. So well done. I mean, it comes through, at least for me. Thank you. So that was great. And I'm going to pass it back to Al, who was down at his end of the bar eating peanuts, I guess. 